Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. I'm scared people won't like me. I'm scared of being judged. I'm scared of being forgotten. I fear rejection and disappointing others. I'm afraid of what people think about me and that they're judging me. I have a fear of being alone. I'm afraid of failure, of not achieving my goals and not accomplishing what I set out to do. I fear losing the trust of others. I'm afraid of not being able to make everyone happy. I fear losing the people I love, especially by not being good enough. I'm afraid of being left alone and unloved. I fear abandonment and that I am unlovable. These honest words were penned by some of the youth in our church in a moment of beautiful vulnerability and honesty. At a recent youth group, the youth were invited to anonymously peel back the layers of pretense and silliness and snark and strength and achievement and to talk about what fears they really harbor in their heart. And in a beautiful moment of vulnerability, they get at something that perhaps is not unique to them. If you're a teenager who shared some of these words, I want to say how proud I am of you, of how you inspire me with your honesty and your vulnerability. If you're a youth leader and part of this youth program, I want to say that you inspire me for creating a safe and secure place where young people can be honest and vulnerable. And to everyone in this church, I want to say you inspire me because we're a church where we can have real and honest conversation and get at the stuff that really matters. Perhaps these resonate with you as they resonate with me. I suspect for those of you who penned these words that you're not alone, that if we peel back the layers, if everyone here peels back the layers of their pretense, their achievements, of the wealth we've more or less accumulated, of the moments of joy we've enjoyed, if we peel back a lot of the stuff that we put out there for everyone to see, our, social, our curated social media profile, that perhaps somewhere deep in our hearts there's that same sense, that same fear, that perhaps we too will be judged. Maybe having already experienced that once before, we'll be judged again. Having been rejected before and knowing the bitter taste of Social shame, we're concerned about being rejected again. Perhaps we know what it is to feel abandoned and alone. And perhaps we wonder, we've grown suspicious that maybe there's something about us that makes us in the end unlovable, unworthy of love. I suspect that sentiment is not just shared by adolescents and teenagers and not just by us in this room. I suspect it's a 
human situation that has been shared by people inside and outside the church for millennia. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded of the words of First John, words we're about to read, which get at the heart of the gospel and which invite us to go deep, deep into the places of the heart, of the soul, of the spirit, where God promises to meet us. Let's read together from 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. We read that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and yet hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must at one and the same time love their brothers and sisters also. Love comes first. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks this morning that in this space of worship, we can bring the fullness of ourselves, the fullness of who we are with all our insecurities and uncertainties, with all our sorrow and grief, with all our strengths and gifts with all that we are that you have equipped us and empowered us to be, we can bring the fullness of ourselves here before you and here meet you and know that we will be accepted and know that we will be loved and know that because of that love that life can be made new. And so it is that we turn to you the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you, O God, you who are our rock and redeemer. Amen. I heard those words that perhaps strike fear into the hearts of parents. I went to pick up a child of mine at daycare and the instructor came to me and said, do you have a minute? I'd like to speak with you. Oh no. I mean, I could feel my body posture just change, the shoulders slump back, the concerned look on my face, the timidity to follow them to the corner of the room. Was he in a fight? Did he get bit? Are we behind on the invoice? What's it going to be? She turned to me, maybe seeing the look on my face, the defeated posture that I already brought into this conversation. She said, oh no, it's a good thing. I perked up. And she said, oh, it was so sweet. It was so beautiful. Your child came over to me in the middle of the day and said, come here, and whispered into my ear, my dad's a superhero. (laughs) He can save the day and fight off mean guys. And she said, I just had to let you know. I thought it was the sweetest, most beautiful thing. And I just thought that you should know that your, your child thinks that you are a superhero. And it was instantaneous. I mean, you probably could have seen my body posture change. I mean, my shoulders were back. My back was straight. I had that look. 
And I went over to my child and I wrapped my arms around them and I said, did, did, you, did you call me a superhero today? A big grin, a big nod, a big smile. That makes me feel so good. And it didn't just make me feel so good. It wasn't just about feeling. I mean, it changed me. It changed at the end of a long week, at the end of a tired, exhausted week. I was walking with a bounce in my step. I was walking with a smile on my face. I mean, you should have seen me walk down the hallway. I'm a superhero. You should have seen me hold the door open for family after family. One arm, I'm a superhero. Come on through. No, I can hold it all day. Keep coming, keep coming. There was something about the love and the admiration and the affection of my child that literally changed me in that moment. And it made me realize just how often I lived a rather uninspired day-to-day ordinary existence. And then there are those moments when I experienced that affection and that admiration and that belief in who I am and who I can be that changes me. And in that moment, my child gave it as a sweet and beautiful gift to me. And I know how incredibly important it is to live in that space of inspiration be inspired and not just not just to feel that love myself but to know that I can pour that love out for others that I can not just hold the door open and smile big but that I can that I can pay attention and slow down and have the and have the attention and the energy and the patience for what love requires that moment was a holy moment for me that I'm so grateful to share with you what a beautiful beautiful thing it is to live inspired a couple years ago, a couple years ago, the uh, church cabinet, the governing board of the church, launched a visioning process with a, a visioning team who began doing some listening and uh, some surveys and meeting with people to wonder about, you know, what, how do we understand ourselves as church? What is this church really and truly all about? What defines this church? What are the unique strengths and gifts and opportunities of this church? What does it mean to live out God's call here as this community of faith in this space, in this place, in this time, in this day and age. And there were amazing, amazing thoughts and comments, reflections, ideas that were shared. And if I could sum it all up, I'd use the words of Jack McAllister, a member of our choir, an elder in our church. And if you've been in an elder meeting with Jack, if you've been in a men's Bible study with Jack, if you've just had a hallway conversation with Jack, you might have heard him say, as I have heard him say time and time again, enough that I believe it, that it begins and it ends with love. That it's all about love. That if you look at the life of Jesus, if you look at the teaching and the ministry of Jesus, it's about God's love. If you want to know what the calling of the church is, it's to live out God's love. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it begins and it ends with love. Jack has said it, perhaps you've heard it, and I believe it. It's all about love. And so the vision team kind of drafted this statement meant to capture the, the heart and the, the, the life energy of this church, noting that, that people have commented and reflected that there seems to be an energy, a vitality, a spirit of creativity here in this space, that, that inspiring people seems to be important to the life of this church and that this church begins and ends with love. This simple phrase, inspiring Christ's deeper way of love. Inspire love. It's all about love which is at the heart of 1 John, at the heart of the passage of scripture that we read. At the heart of this passage of scripture that we read, we read that 
we loved because Christ, God in Jesus Christ, loved us first. And that passage of scripture echoes back to the ministry and the life of Jesus. There in the upper room in John's gospel, we read about the new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples, simply this, to love one another. That in a world of indifference and hate, shame and violence, that this community of faith would not be known for how it retaliated, but for how it loved. They will know you are my disciples by your love. Inspire love. Love first. Love comes first. Which is why this church throws open its arms and has a simple confession or reaffirmation of faith that is not defined by a long list of dogma or doctrine that you have to thoroughly study and sign on to ahead of time, but simply by a confession or reaffirmation of faith to follow in the way, in the love of Jesus Christ, and to spend the rest of your days, to spend the rest of our days figuring out just what does that mean? What does that love look like in my life? How can I live an inspired life that leads to furthering love? It's why this table is an open table, why there aren't any barriers to coming and partaking in the experience of God's love and forgiveness and mercy that meets us here. This isn't a table where you have to believe enough or be educated enough or or be a member enough or attend here enough or, or read your Bible enough. It's simply a table that is wide open because when love meets us here, life becomes new. This table is meant to inspire Love, because he first loved us, we then can love. Love comes first. Love comes first. It's why we can put aside all the things that divide us as society, as community, as, as a country, and as a city, as a state. All the, all the markers that would divide us from race to, to sexuality to, to politics and partisanship to gender roles. All of those things we can put away because love comes first and we are invited to receive and experience that love and be made new. And when we receive that love, I am confident that it will inspire us. Inspire us to spread and extend that love, to live as people with with shoulders back and heads up, looking for ways to serve and to lead and to share that love. Love comes first. Love comes first. I think I've always kind of, sort of known that. It's almost, a, it's almost a cliche in the church that it's all about love, that love comes first, that we love because he first loved us. And it became real for me in a, in a different and new way when I went through uh, foster parent training. My wife, Rebecca, and I became um, foster parents. And to do that, we had to do hours and hours and hours of foster parent training. And we went through lots of hours of training and learned a lot of really good things. And some of those things reached deep into my soul, challenged me and convicted me in ways I didn't anticipate or expect. And one of those had to do with the primacy of love. We learned the story of a little girl a little girl who had been um, removed from her home. 
a little girl who was removed from her home because there was violence in her home, because she had witnessed violence and maybe even received the hurt and pain of that violence. It was her and her little brother, and her little brother went to another home, and she went to a home, and the first home she went to, she was dealing with the trauma and the tragedy of having been removed from her home. And I'm sure, I am sure that people told her foster parents, like they tell a lot of foster parents, oh, I'm sure this little girl is so grateful for the good home that you're giving her. What I learned as a foster parent is, no, maybe not. Because this isn't the home they know. And no matter how messed up or how hurtful that first home was, that biological home, still that was what she knew, and it was where her brother had been for her to take care of him, even as a little girl, as an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old. She could care for her brother, and now she wondered if her brother was okay, and so she did what kids do. They act out, and they get angry, and they get frustrated, and they aren't grateful, and the first foster parent just couldn't deal with this, just, I can't do this, and gave her away. The first family to receive her that said, you will be loved, turns out she couldn't be loved. And so she went to another home, and then to another home. And she began to believe. There are a lot of big promises about love, but I'm unlovable. And began doing what a lot of foster kids do when they hear that, oh, you're welcome in our home, you'll be loved. Wanna bet? Will you love me if I do this? Will you love me if I act this way? And then we learned the story, we learned the story of this little girl who was sitting down with her newest foster mom, someone who had treated her a little bit differently than she had been treated before and she was beginning to feel that maybe, maybe this love could be true. And her foster mom gave her a gift, a sundress. And perhaps had in her heart the, 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 the expectation that when this little girl would open this sundress that she would be overjoyed with the, the meaning and the thoughtfulness of this gift and instead this little girl was triggered by the memory and the recollection of the sundress her mother wore. When her mother would hide her face from her husband. The dress that her mother wore when her husband told her that she spent too much money and she, they couldn't afford this dress. The dress her mother wore when she used to sing her to sleep after a difficult and awful time at home. And this dress triggered everything in her and she began to scream and to yell, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And her foster mom reeled. This little girl ran, ran to her room yet again and then said, oh no, what have I done? No wonder I'm unlovable. And so to prove that perhaps she could be loved, she put on the sundress and she snuck into the kitchen where she saw the foster mom's back turned to her and she was on the phone calling social services. And she went back to her room and cried because maybe she really is unlovable. And then a few hours later, she looked out the window and a car pulled up. And an agent got out with her little brother. Because this mom knew what she needed wasn't a sundress. She needed her little brother. And there was nothing that she was going to do, no matter how ungrateful she was, that was going to stop this mom 
from loving her. And this little girl recalls that because she experienced that love, things began to look and to feel differently. That because there was nothing she could do to escape the love of this woman in her life, that she was true to her word, that I love you unconditionally so much that I'm gonna bring your little brother so you can love him too. That changed everything. It changed the trajectory and the direction of her life because love came first which is what we read in scripture, which is what Jesus knew sitting, sitting at the communion table with his, with his disciples, that love came first. That there was no amount of betrayal or denial or rejection that was gonna stop Jesus Christ from loving those who were with him. And there was nothing that was gonna separate the world from the love of God, not even the rejection we see on the cross. Love comes first. And when love comes first, it changes everything. I believe the church has a great opportunity before it. I believe this church has a great opportunity. We have a great opportunity before us to, believe, to plant ourselves in the, in the primacy and the beginning and end of love. A love that can inspire all people to be who God has called them to be. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.